Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Some of the new rules for the XFL... Got high praise over the weekend. Should the NFL consider implementing any of them? We'll get into that coming up in about 20 minutes on Grant and Danny. It is time for our Beltway Blitz, spinning you around town, the teams that you care the most about. Let's get to it. We start you off on the diamond with the Nats. Spring training well underway. In fact, the spring training broadcast schedule gets started in four days on the radio from Jupiter, Florida as the Nats will be on the road taking on the Cardinals. Andrew Golden joins us, covers the Nats for the Washington Post. Andrew, we appreciate a couple of minutes. What are some of the big storylines you've been tracking down there in West Palm Beach? Yeah, I, I think there's a handful. I think you uh, you, you look at the core three of uh, Kate Cavalli, Josiah Graham, and Kenzie Gore, and their development this year. Um, you look at Kay Bear Ruiz, who you know has taken a more of a leadership role this year and seems to be poised for a big year, and then C.J. Abrams and Luis Garcia, I think, I think how they develop in the middle infield as well and how C.J. develops offensively, I think those are all big things to watch this year. So I hate asking this question, but, you know, we need the answer to it. Steven Strasburg, you know, he, he threw a, a bullpen. Yeah. One was good. Second bullpen, no, you know, no go again. Same old, same old. I just feel terrible about it. But what, what are they thinking? What's the long-term prognosis? What's the plan? I think the plan is just to kind of take things day by day. See, like, see, like the plan is for him to to, to still rehab to see if there's a chance he can come back. And um, the you know the Nationals remain pretty quiet on it. I think they're going to wait and uh, see, see how things turn out. Um, but I think the plan is just to wait as long as he wants to wait and kind of try to start the rehab process if they can. So the rest of the rotation, you reference kind of the three kids and what their roles could be. What do you think it's going to look like when the season starts? And what names might we need to familiarize ourselves with in terms of starting games for this team early in the year? Yeah, I, I think the starters are pretty, you know, they, they seem pretty locked in. Um, those core three that I mentioned, although David Martinez did say that Cade had to kind of work for work for his spot. Um, but you obviously have Patrick Corbin, and then you finish with Trevor Williams. So those would be the five that I'd expect um, when the season gets, gets going. Now, in what order? I don't know who will be the opening day starter. 
Um, but I think those five, Trevor Williams, Patrick Corbin, and then that core three of Kabali, Gray, and Gore. Spencer Keeboom, I don't have a great question. Where does he fit in? Yeah, I, I think he's still recovering from Tommy John surgery. Um, David Martinez said he won't play. Um, he won't play when the team kicks off on Saturday just because he's still rehabbing. He still needs to throw. Learn how to throw side. Or he's trying to throw sideways. He can throw overhand, but he can't throw sidearm. Do different angles. So I think there's still some progress there. I maybe expect to see him. Maybe get some reps. Um, maybe Triple A start. I, I, I think that would be probably more ideal. Um, just until maybe he's fully ready to go. The Nationals getting ready to get their season started and underway. All right, the expectations for this year are very low. That goes without saying. Yeah. The division is good. The team is bad. What would be a success? What would be a failure? I think success is is individual progress from, uh, like I said, the, those young guys who they want to see progress from. Um, I think if they all take steps forward, maybe the results won't be there. But if those guys can take step forward, I think that's a sign of progress. Um, because then maybe they can start spending a little bit more free agency and trying to build their roster up to be you know, to com- competitive again. Um, and on the other side, I think the, the worst-case scenario is if those guys don't develop where they're expected, they kind of regress or stay exactly the same. I think that's probably the worst-case scenario for this year because then you're kind of going back to the drawing board. I've read that same uh, you know set of words about Victor Robles every offseason for like the last like decade or so, Andrew, it seems like, about how he's in the best shape of his life and he changed his diet and he worked on a swing this winter and blah, blah, blah. But I- I'm kind of out of giving that guy chances. It seems like they're not. Everyday center fielder, what's the uh, expectation there? Yeah, I expect him to be starting everyday center field unless there's somebody who you know, you know outperforms him. I expect to see Lane Thomas in right field. Um, I expect to see some, some mix of Joey Manessis and Corey Dickerson in left field. So I think that's how the outfield will look. I mean, I, I think he's going to get every opportunity to prove himself because, you know, it's not like they have a ton of guys behind him waiting in the wings. I mean, there are a handful of young prospects, but, you know, there's still a ways away. So I think the plan is just to give him another shot and, you know, see, see if he can perform again. Andrew, we appreciate you. We'll check in again in a few days. Thanks, buddy. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. See you, dude. Read his work in the Washington Post. Let's move the blitz to the ice. And the ice was outdoor this past weekend. Didn't go well for the Caps, but it was one heck of a fun time. John Walton was on the call down near the ice on Saturday night. John, how about that spectacle in Raleigh? It was fantastic, guys. I mean, to be, first of all, I've never been on an NHL call to be that close to the ice, and not since college, I think, that I've been that close. So uh, it was amazing to be down in among the guys for the National Anthem. When the guys would skate by on that side of the ice, it was like the running of the bulls in front of us. Uh, it was just a great show by our hosts. It was really great to be able to see that and be a part of that. Yeah, the game didn't go the way we would have wanted, but uh, it was a lot of fun, and we were certainly glad to be uh, included uh, by the NHL, by the Hurricanes, and being a part of the stadium series. Yeah, John, no way around it here. Caps are now outside looking in the playoff picture. Um, you know, Just what's going on now and, and what can change and what's got to change? Well, they got to start scoring goals or they're going to be sellers of the deadline. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And this is a critical week. They have, as you said, they fall into 10th now, uh, just behind Pittsburgh for ninth. You can get caught tonight if you're the Caps if you lose in regulation because Detroit has games in hand on them, and they would be tied in points if Detroit wins tonight in regulation. you got Ottawa only four points back. So, yeah, there's not a lot that's going well. The problem has been scoring, and it really is that simple, but it's that complex. You don't have Alex Ovechkin. You haven't had Tom Wilson. You have him back now. 
they will get Nick Dowd back tonight, I'm told. So to see him back in tonight and playing in a defensive role on the penalty kill and and at the time that he got hurt in mid-January, he's providing a lot of offense for this team too. So I think that's going to be a lift. I, they're going to need more than him, though. They've got a lot of guys with some really long scoring drops that they got to fix, and it's got to be now. But Brian McClellan's going to be selling here, and the trade deadline, by the way, March 3rd. Yeah, you still got a couple of weeks, obviously. Do you really think selling's an option? Because they are going to get healthier. Ovi's going to come back. Dowd's coming back. Carlson, presumably, for the playoffs. Like My thought all along has been, if they just get in with the goaltending they've got, they could have a decent chance to get out of the first round that you know they haven't been able to do that the last four years. Do you think it's possible that they could actually sell? I think it is definitely possible they could sell, but to your point, that is not completely written in stone, and it is exactly possible, as you said, too. That's why this week is big. That's why tonight is big. That's why Thursday you're playing Anaheim. They're not very good. Uh, they, that's a very beatable team and a team you have to beat. Then you have the Rangers coming in here on Saturday before a long trip, uh, going to Buffalo, going to California for three. So, yeah, I mean, could that happen? Absolutely. They could – be at a point in two weeks where, okay, they're back in seventh and they're showing that uh, the guys are going to band together and, and get this thing going. Uh, or if it goes the other way, I, I think that's why you're looking at the sell possibility because you have all of these unrestricted free agents. Everybody but John Carlson on defense is a free agent at, a, at the end of the season, and only Martin Farabari is a restricted free agent. The other guys, the other four, are all UFAs. They're valuable. They could bring you in draft picks. This is a good draft year. You could have a lot of money this summer. It's not a, a rebuild. It's a, a reload in every sense of the word. You could go out and say, all right, next season you're going to have t- new faces and expensive guys you bring in that are built to win and go for it. Or you could, as you said, you could hang around and go for it here. And But that's what this week is for. That is why this week is so critical. they got to win tonight, have to. And they got to win Thursday, and they probably got to win Saturday too. And then you're probably back in a spot, and we go from there. John, do we have an OV timetable? We don't. Uh, Peter Laviolette said that you know he was hopeful later this week, but he said he hadn't talked to him. I've heard nothing. I don't know that – I don't know if anybody knows, but I, obviously they miss him. Uh, maybe – as soon as the weekend, I mean, you've got Anaheim Thursday and then you're going west. Uh, he's going to need practice days, though. We know that. So once he's here, uh, you'll know it on the practice site. You're not just going to see him show up in a game. Yeah, good point. Well said. Caps tonight at home. Red Wings, huge game. Gotta 7 o'clock puck drop just across uh, the highway here, about a, a mile away in D.C. Thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, fellas. See you, I guess I should fact check. You're my D.C. guy. Mile? Does that sound right to you? A little, little bit more. I'd say mile and a half, but close. Okay. Yeah. Close. I was going to say, I was either going to say one mile or 10 miles. I wasn't sure which one to go. It's not with. 10. Okay. Not 10. Definitely not that. <laughs> uh, let's keep it moving on the Beltway Blitz. <laughs> Darren Haynes, <laughs> Channel 9, WSA TV. You can check out his work there to discuss the commanders. Darren, why don't we begin with Eric Bienemy? Signed, sealed, delivered. He is the new offensive coordinator. What do you think? Uh, I think it's it's a great move for the Washington Commanders. It's kind of an unfortunate move that Eric Bieniemy has to kind of go this length to kind of put himself in a position to be a head coach. Uh, kind of gives you an idea how much he actually wants that coaching job um, after interviewing 17 times with 16 teams. Um, but in regards to what it brings for Washington, I mean, if you look at it, you know, Jack Del Rio used to be a head coach and Ron Rivera is a head coach and the enemy should be a head coach. It's almost like you probably have the most well-experienced coaching staff yeah. in the NFL right now, uh, combining those three forces together. It's like Voltron. 
um, for all the old school heads like ourselves. Uh, Grant, you may be too young. He's too young but, for uh, Voltron. But... <laughs> is that Transformers or is How that? How dare you? I don't know. Oh, no. Oh, no. Age no, of Ultron. No, no, no. Uh, you, now you just did a Marvel bit about Ultron talking about Voltron. It's five lions. They have a blazing sword. They're a row beast. I, I, it's a whole thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He, he needs to just watch some old cartoons, the good cartoons. Um, but not. Nah, but I think it's. I think it's a big win. The only uh, you know question mark will be is you know the enemy's coming here. From my sources, they tell me that you know he's going to have full control of the offensive staff, and, and he was able to interview some of those people to see who he's going to keep the structure of what the. Uh, the offense will look like now it's all in his hands. He doesn't have Andy Reid uh, next to him. He doesn't have the, the quarterback like Patrick Mahomes to, to kind of just do what he does. Uh, now he is responsible for everything. So that's the only question mark. That, but, uh, but in regards to qualifications, many thought he was qualified to be a head coach. Andy Reid backed him up on that. And, and now he is the man in charge on the offensive side. Darren, how involved was Dan Snyder in all of this? And what does it mean? So for my talking to my sources, honestly, uh, the only time I ever heard Dan Snyder was really involved was just using his plane, his private plane, to pick up Jason Wright, who was in, uh, in L.A. at the particular time for other reasons, to bring him back to try to kind of, quote, seal the deal uh, to get Eric Bieniemy because those two, Jason Wright and Eric Bieniemy, I mean, they grew up in the same area in California. Literally, their high schools are like 13 minutes apart. Um, so... So that was one thing that happened. I, I didn't hear anything in regards to his, of Dan's involvement. Um, I just know the private plane was used, so I guess he was involved in some way to try to help that out. But I, I didn't hear anything in regards to him having communication with Eric Bieniemy. Is Jay Wright like Mariano Rivera? He's the closer? Yeah, and listen, when I put it on Twitter, that's what people were calling him. But, I mean, think about it, though. Like, with anybody who buys a car, like, you, you talk to the salesman, next thing you know, the manager comes in to help close the deal, and, and, and especially when you have a guy who is from the same area. They know where the Shell gas station's at. They know where the Popeye's chicken or In-N-Out burger's at that you guys both went to. You build that rapport. You become comfortable with them. And next you know, you're like, you know, I, I, I like it here. Who knows how that helped out? But something happened to where Eric Bieniemy left the team that has won their second Super Bowl in four years, uh, where probably life was good if he didn't want to be a head coach so much, uh, and came here to Washington. Darren, Grant and I were kicking this around. I was talking to our producers about this as well. There's this pulse that's out there among so many fans, my friends, and I'm talking to some like fellow sports dads this weekend. Everybody seems to think there's like a second layer to this, a.k.a. either Ron Rivera gets fired after this year and Biennemi gets promoted, or when the new owner comes in, knock on wood, then, you know, again, Rivera either moves up into a more senior role and Biennemi becomes the head coach. They've all got this conspiracy in their minds that Biennemi is <laughs> the future head coach, and that's really what this is. And I feel like the weird one's saying, I don't think that's true at all. Where's that coming from? Uh, all right. I, I don't know where that's coming from. What I've heard from the people that I've, that I've spoken to, it's basically you're bringing in Eric Biennemi, this gives him the opportunity to really showcase what he can do alone, not under Andy Reid's umbrella. And if he balls out for one year and, and then leaves to take a head coaching job, so you know, so be it. I mean, of course, it wouldn't be that easy, but like that puts him in a position to be a head coach. And the thing about it is if Eric Bieniemy comes here and he's successful to get a head coaching job, that means the Washington Commanders are successful. So that means a win-win. And if Ron Rivera is the head coach, and his offense is balling, defense is playing well, and they are successful, I don't think you fire a head coach after you had a successful season. So it's kind of like a win-win for everybody 
all those other takes that I've heard, I, I haven't heard that from anybody that I've spoken to. Darren Haynes, Channel 9. Today, you could slap a tag on Deron Payne. Now, the deadline is not until March 7th, so they got a lot of time to figure this out. What are we waiting for? Well, they're, they're waiting to try to get a contract done, right? I mean, they're, they're going to try to extend him, and, and if you can't, you do the tag on deadline day. It's normally how it works, but what do you think? Do you think that they are actually going to be able to get a long-term deal in place, or do you think they should just tag well, him and not even try? Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. I I, I was always kind of leaning on, on the tag part, and and it comes down to, you know, the history of just football. You just don't see two defensive tackles when you're adding in, you know, Jonathan Allen in there making that big-time money on that defensive line. Um, and so my thought was just, you know, just, just go for the tag if, if you can use it. And that's why I was like, what are we, what are we waiting for? Well, I, I don't think there's any rush. I mean, the way that it's always been used here and in most places is you use the tag on the deadline day. You don't get extra bonus points for doing it earlier. So – you have the negotiation, which hadn't even started last I'd heard a couple weeks ago, and you see where it gets you. And if you can't get anything in place, the, the day of I, March 7th, you, you tell them, okay, we're using the tag. See, th- here's, here's my thought with this. Deron Payne has kind of made it pretty clear, especially during the exit interviews, where he knows he's about to get paid. He knows he put himself in a position where he balled out this particular year, where he's uh, – he, 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 he's blazing fire right now. If this, this was, a, if this was a NBA jam for all the old school people, Grant, you're too young. You know, he's on fire right now. That one I and got. So he's he's on fire. Up. He's eating up. <laughs> how many, Grant, how, how many, how many was it? How many players was it? Five on five or three, three on three? Three on three. Come two on, on now. two. GP. No, two he's wrong. Two. Oh, damn. Two on two. two. On two. That's tough. See how I said it. Tom Gugliotta and Harvey Grant for Washington. I do you sleep. remember. I, I do faintly <laughs> remember it. It was a little before my time, but I definitely played. You would get, like, uh, Chris Whitney and someone else from the Bullets. Uh, you got to go further back, further back. This right. is Larry Johnson and Alonzo Mourning for the Charlotte Hornets. I'll, that was, I'll that go all that was a good team. That was a good team. Darren. That was a good team, the Charlotte Hornets. But anyways, yeah, that that I I lost my thought on the old NBA Jam Nothing thing. Nothing matters. That's yeah, we're just talking NBA Jam. That's why we had you on the Bullets. That's why we had you on. We appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, dude. I left hand up. No, sir. My hand is up. I declined. I respectfully refuse. In fairness, Danny, he did say left hand up. My hand is up. I, you're not fooling anybody when you guys do that. You think you're tricking people. You're not. Everyone knows the truth. Everyone knows. My hand is up. No. Are, are the D.C. defenders going to do a right hand up thing, I wonder? They're the other of the football teams in town. The opener for the XFL 3.0 here in D.C. was a smash hit at Audi Field. I actually want to talk about a couple of the rules they use in the XFL that I think are upgrades from the NFL. We'll do that next on G&D. McCarron, end zone, has a player caught. Touchdown, St. Louis, Hakeem Butler. So St. Louis has elected to go for a three-point conversion from the 10. One attempt on those yesterday, 0 for 1. This would make it a field goal game, 15 to 12. McCarran, end zone, squeezes it in there, three-point conversion, good. Matt Berry, ESPN, on the broadcast there. Welcome back to Grant and Danny. That three-point conversion in the XFL, 
part of their rule changes that they're providing from the NFL. Subsequently, after getting the three-point conversion, St. Louis, who was trailing, did an onside kick, except in the XFL there aren't onside kicks. You just have a one-play, fourth and 15, to pick up 16 or more. And if you can do that, you get to keep possession of the football. They were able to. They went down the field and scored again, and they won the game. Pretty outrageous ending to that game. We've got an XFL team here in Washington, D.C., the D.C. Defenders. They were here three years ago. They played three home games. They played five games. They were in first place when the pandemic shut the league down, and they were 3-0 and at home. And after a win, in dramatic fashion, by the way, on Sunday night in primetime at Audi Field here in D.C., they're now 4-0 and at home. Audi Field, we were talking about it earlier, and mm-hmm. we got a lot of calls. I was happy to see that and people saying how much fun they'd had. And we can open up the phones if you guys went to the game or watched the XFL. Just curious to get your thoughts at 800-636-1067, especially if you were there, you know, what you thought about the environment, which was really, really cool. Danny, you have two kids. Now, you're yes. not a spring football guy. You know, some of these leagues you root against, others I think, you're, you know, the XFL doesn't seem like bothers you as much. Um, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're not a guy that, like supports or endorses or whatever. Will you watch? Will you go? Would you take your kids? Like, where are you at yeah, on the a, XFL? It's a great question. And, and just for the record, I, I don't root against any any of these leagues. What I I root against people that yell at me, and I think they're wrong um, about you know how all in they are, and they go to the first week, and then they don't they didn't go to the AFL games ever again, or they don't go to the you know whatever USFL games, or don't watch this or that. My concern is I don't really want to invest in something that I'm not sure is going to be around, right? That's sort of where I'm at. I kind of can't make up caring if I don't care, right? So people have gotten mad at me about, you know, various things. Everything from, you know, I don't I don't mention the Mystics a ton on this show. I don't mention golf on this show or men's tennis. If I don't care, I can't just make up caring, right? My deflector dish of caring points to a bunch of things. If it's in there, I care. If I don't, I just don't. Nothing wrong with those other things. It's just not necessarily for me. This sounds, though... For your description and, you know, from the folks we've heard from and just kind of overall the environment, something that maybe my kids would dig. And that's, to me, more important than my fandom. I'm not learning player names at this stage. And, you know, I, I don't know how great the offensive quality of the football is, which to me would be the best selling point is to put up some video game numbers and let's score a bunch and, and have a great time that way. But if it's it sounds like a great environment and maybe that's something that my kids would be into. Th- yeah, that's the selling point I, for me. I think number one, because what you just said is critical. The quality of the football has to be good. And I do think if you went to a game, I would like to think it translates on TV. I just, I can't tell. Uh, But I do think that you would like the quality of the football. I actually think the football is really, really good. Um, And that was the case with the XFL three years ago. I was really impressed. I think the physical nature of the game is what has really, really had me buying in. Like, Mm. it is violent in a way that is not hard to sell. In other words, they're not adding rules. There's not going to be more CTE and concussions. It's you know the original XFL, they acted like they wanted everyone to get hurt all the time. Yeah, no fair catches. The opening kickoff got a separated shoulder and a 20-minute delay. I mean, the whole right. thing was a mess. They're not doing that at all. They're taking the science and the information that we have, and I think that they are making rules that work. And they're trying to keep guys healthy. The, the opening kickoff, well, it's every kickoff, but the kickoff in general, if you watch a game, is actually designed to get rid of collisions and designed to get rid of injuries because the kickoff is by nature the single most injury-riddled, injury-prone play in the National Football League. It's the most dangerous play we have. 
And it stands to reason, right? You got guys at full speed. Yeah, running start, sure. Helmet to helmet. So what they've done to get rid of that in the XFL is they line guys up five yards apart from one another. Literally, just standing five yards apart. They're not able to move until the ball lands or it touches the return man. But what they've been able to accomplish is that every return, every kick gets returned almost. Like the touchbacks are very much less prevalent because mm-hmm. even if you're in the end zone, these guys can't move until you get the ball. And so there's action, right? On a kickoff in the NFL, how often is it now, Danny, that the ball's kicked, the guy stands at the goal line with his arms out, and we just start first and 10 from the 25? The NFL tried to fix something, and they broke something else. Right. The whole goal of moving the extra point around was to make it more exciting. People don't want it. You know, you now know if a touchdown is scored, you've got plenty of time. You can go to the bathroom, you can get a drink, you can microwave something, you can leave the room and come back because you're not missing anything on that ensuing kickoff. I believe it's like the 30 and the 35 where they stand five yards apart. Uh-huh. But essentially, then they... There's the, the kick goes over them. Yes, and oh, it's all, smart. It's on the 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 receiving team side of the field. The kick goes over them in the air. You can kind of pooch it, and it's loose, which is awesome. You can kick it right to the 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 return man who's all alone. And then because the kicker and the return man are kind of out of the play initially, it's one on one, like blocking essentially ten on ten for everyone else in the middle of the field. It cuts down on the collisions. You get returns. You get that action on a play where the NFL does, and it's something that I think, and there are a lot of examples of this, you know, the rule works, and I think it would actually work in the league, to be honest with you. Yeah. Jimmy's in Columbia. I think he wants to hop in on this, actually. Jimmy, what's hey, Jimmy. up? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, I, I totally, I'm with the, the, the new kickoff rule that the XFL has. Um, I was at the game, and uh, side note, was shocked by the fan base there. Uh, the merchandise being purchased, people freaking out and screaming. I was really surprised. Anyway, with the rule Let me ask you on this. the kickoff. Let me ask you this, because uh, you, you were at the game, and this is all I've wanted to ask people all day. You, you said you were shocked. Like, the thing that took me aback was, the energy's amazing, but I remember that from the last time. So if you hadn't been, I could totally see being surprised by that, because it is crazy in that stadium. People are, like, all in for this thing they barely know, which is really cool. But what I was stunned by was the amount of defenders' gear that was there. Like, people are not just wearing Nats jerseys. And and, I saw barely any burgundy and gold, to be honest. Like, very, very few Redskins, Commanders jerseys. It's so much defender stuff. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no, that was definitely accurate to what I saw as well. Um, but yeah, I just couldn't believe in the stands how much Defenders gear I saw people wearing. Um, I think it helped them that it was cold out and maybe there were sweatshirts to be purchased. But still, there was other, plenty of other merchandise that was being worn. And I, I really couldn't believe it. And it, it was you're accurate, too, that not a lot of burgundy and gold there. Um, yeah, just a lot of Defender stuff. Um, some people fully dressed head to toe. Right. Um, it was well. crazy. Uh, yeah, it was crazy. Um, the kickoff rule, seeing it live, um, I was, I, you know, I liked it. Um, I figured it was to eliminate injury, but I still got the entertainment of the kickoff itself. Um, and, you know, the unknown is, is he going to return it all the way? Is he, well, you know, how far is he going to take it? You know, unlike the current day of the NFL, just like you guys were saying, it's just we know it's a nothing play. It's just a waste of our time now. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and uh, I think – Based on, you know, the the games happening a few years ago and seeing that it just picked up where it left off, uh, I really see it, you know, really having potential uh, to stay and to grow and for more seats to be filled. So That would be amazing. Thank you, buddy. Here's what I don't know, okay? If, if it was up to 
the support of Washington, D.C. fans going to the game and buying in for the XFL to thrive. Then it's done. It's over. Yep. It's It's been, you can put it in Sharpie. It has worked and will continue to. This thing will be around for the long haul. There's just so much more to it, right? I mean, yep. the, the, when they got shut down the last time, it was COVID-related. But the St. Louis Battlehawks had just sold out the Edward Jones Dome. That's the dome where the Rams played. It's like mm-hmm. 60,000 some seats. There is interest in some of these markets. San Antonio had twice as many people at their stadium, and I think they played at the Alamo Bowl, uh, than what we had here in D.C. Mm-hmm. with like almost 13,000 people. They had over 25,000 people at the game this weekend. TV numbers have to be big. People have to watch. People have to get engaged you know, from a national standpoint. That's what has to happen. And, and, and that is going to determine, quote-unquote, the fate of the league probably. But I just will reiterate one more time. If you go to a game, I don't know how you wouldn't have fun. I mean, Darius, you were there. Uh, I was texting with you during the game. You were not with me. You, were, you weren't near me, but you were in an end zone, essentially. Not the crazy end zone where everyone not is that one. inebriated and throwing lemons. What did you think? Um, So I actually went to two games the first time around, the first iteration of XFL. and uh, Well, I guess that would be the second iteration of XFL. Uh, and, and had a blast. And And – in a lot of ways, this is the same experience where it was just a lot of high energy. I think the conclusion I came to is that part of the energy is there's not much at stake with the team right now. You know what I mean? You go to a commander's game, you go to any kind of NFL game or MLB and NHL, there's there's stakes. There's, you know, you know your team's fighting for the playoffs. Interesting. With with the defenders, what are the stakes really? It's just fun. It's just fun. We're yeah. just there to if, have if a blast. If they lose, I don't know the guy who just called. Because that's really you interesting know? to me. Hold on, I, I want to jump on that for a second. Because to me, that's one of the reasons why it's hard for me to to get in. In other words, I don't know if it's important that DC's playing Orlando. You know what I mean? Like I I know when Washington plays Dallas, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or is when 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 the Nats are playing the Mets, I have the gravity. I understand what it is. But is it a huge deal if St. Louis is playing uh, Houston? Like I don't know. But that's no, but a counterpoint I, I to that. It's that's interesting. Like you could go to a movie, you could go bowling, yeah. or you could go to the Defenders game, and it doesn't matter if. I mean, I think if they lose and they play badly, people will have less fun. The fact that they're four zero at home is part of the reason I think the, the vibes the have been so good. I, that's a, that's my point about the stakes. Is I think if we came out of that game with a loss, I still think there would have been energy and people saying, "Oh man, yeah, I had a great time. It was fun. It was a blast." Um, now it's hard to say that because we haven't lost yet. You don't know maybe what it's we'll, like. Yeah, yeah. You don't we, go to losses. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe we'll see in a couple of weeks if we do lose a home game. But yeah, with there being so little stakes, I think it's just you, the guys, and and, and whoever you're going with, having a great time at a football game. Hmm. Yep. I, I want to get rid of the throwing the lemons on the field thing. And for those of you that don't know, basically during the game they took away the beer snake, which is this thing that they do in the stadium, which is really really cool. Yes, it is. Everyone puts a cups together from all the the beers that's been consumed. By the way, if you drink a soda. The cup's not the same size, okay? And so it doesn't work. Yeah. The wife was with me. She had a soda. We tried to give the cup. They're like, we can't take soda cups. We can't take a soda cup. All those cups had alcohol in them at some point. Mm. So there was some alcohol being consumed, okay? I can tell you that. Some overserved people. But the the, the security guards, for whatever reason, at Audi Field just kept ripping the snake apart and taking it away. And so they're chanting they want the snake. Well, eventually people got upset and started throwing lemons from their vodka drink with lemon in it down on the field. So we need to get rid of the throwing objects, I, I can say. We don't want that. Like a player at one point, not a big deal, but got hit in the helmet with a lemon that got thrown. Not a great look. Kind of a trashy look to me when you turn on TV and you see fans throwing something on the field. That's not good. So let's stop doing that. Everything else, keep it. It was perfect, other than the throwing of lemons on the field. 
And the team kind of leaned in and was like, when when life gives you lemons, dot, 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 you, you beat the dragons or whatever. It's like, they, nobody got hurt. You know, we don't need to make this out to be a big thing. Mm -hmm. It's the XFL. It's not the NFL. We're here for fun. But in the meantime, we could stop throwing things on the field, and we'll just continue to do everything else we've been doing and grow this sucker. But I want to get into the the, the rules. and get, Instead of an extra point, the, the one, two, and three-point conversions, and also, Danny, the fourth and the 15 instead of an onside kick. Because the last time the XFL existed, and specifically the first time it existed, the NFL did steal things that worked. Yeah. This is a testing ground in some way. They have a relationship. Are any of these things, things that you, even as I would say more skeptical than I am, uh -huh. would you want to see any of this in the NFL? We'll get into that next on Grant and Danny here on The Fan. Our beer snake pack, and we'll stop throwing lemons. We're Grant and Danny. You're listening to the fan. That was the ESPN broadcast of the XFL's DC Defenders on Sunday night. Game was pretty lit over at Audi Field. By the way, shout out to the listener who chased me down after my little mini bag of chips fell out of my pocket. I was uh, walking in the stadium on the concourse. And some guy tapped me on the shoulder. He's like, GP. And I turned around, and he handed me this little mini bag of chips that I just grabbed out of the little snack area. Uh-huh. And my wife was very excited to, that we got our chips because I went to get her some chips. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course. I came back, and I wouldn't have had the You've chips. You've been empty-handed. But uh, he was a listener, and he, he tweeted me after and said, I'm the guy that just gave you your chips, man. So thank you to that guy. Thanks, that guy. Uh, all right, so I got two things that I really, really like. I'm not getting rid of extra points. In the NFL, I'm going to keep the option of the extra point as your one point play after a touchdown in the XFL. They have gotten completely rid of the extra point kickers, by the way, are almost obsolete other than kickoffs. Now they, they do have field goals. DC didn't attempt any Seattle was one for two, I think in their field goal attempts, but without extra points, what they do is a one point, a two point and a three point point after the one point from two yards away, a la two point conversion. Two-pointer is from five yards away, which I think is the most common thing you're going to see yep. just based on the math and the analytics. And then the three-point play is from the 10-yard line. Nobody really three years ago tried this or did this other than when you're down and you needed the three points. It was very popular this weekend. I, I don't know what's changed, but I kind of love the idea of a three-point play from the 10-yard line. The, the staggered decision-making, the strategy. So if we're going to... Keep the extra point in my philosophy in the NFL as the one-pointer. I think what I would probably do is a two-point conversion where it currently is and maybe a three-point play from the 10-yard line. I think you could add something to that. It would be better to just get rid of the extra point altogether so you have to run or pass your way in. Mm -hmm. I like that the the, num the round numbers of the, the seven that I'm used to, right? I, I like having kickers involved. I think it would be too jarring if you just got rid of the extra point altogether. So I'm kind of hedging a little bit. Uh -huh. But the idea, and if you wanted to make it from the 15-yard line instead of the 10, of just possibly being able to get a three-pointer so it, you could possibly get nine instead of eight for a score, I do like that a lot. I'm not trying to trick you here. I'm just play yeah. out a little scenario with me. What's the stated goal? Of what? A football? Not Scoring necessarily points. football. Of of having some of these rule modifications, whether it's onside kicks, whether it's kickoffs, whether it's extra points, uh, I think two point three pointers. Some of them are for safety, and I think some of them are to improve on areas where they think there's not enough action or the action's yeah. watered down. And then I think there are there are areas where they're they're kind of 
just getting creative because they can. The the last one, though, that I'll say, and this all ties together, what's the point of that fourth and 15? Well, that's the one I want to get to next, which is instead of an onside kick, you have a one untimed 15-yard play on a fourth and 15 to get the ball back. If you get 15 or more yards, you get to take over possession wherever you uh, you get to on that play. Uh, I would say that the point is to to add excitement. Yes, that's it. Add excitement for the outcome of more competitive games, more comebacks, more strategy, more real time where a team that is losing the game just isn't over. You don't know what you're what, what you're going to miss. Think of the entire so I know point that to you me. Would do the fourth and the fifteen over the one hundred. I do all of it. Grant. What about the two point three point conversion? Yes, to in it. the NFL, you would do. Yes, that? I would do it tomorrow. Would you get rid of extra points? One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Because football is exciting. A weird thing where they stop and trot out a, a five six hundred fifty pound guy to to do something that these grown incredible athletes have to count on is always super weird to me. Nobody ever else considers it weird because we're used to it. It should be eliminated altogether. The football is the exciting thing, and incentivizing comebacks, competitive games, going down to the wire where a team is, you know, down 15 with four minutes left. It's not over yet. What about the kickoff with the five yards separating the the two teams? It looks really weird, but then you actually get a lot of returns. Mm -hmm. And on average, I'd have to go back and look for all the games, but it was pretty routine to get to the 30 or 32-yard line. All in favor of that. The the thing that you're going to miss is the surprise onside kick, the defining moment of that Super Bowl that New Orleans won where they beat the Indianapolis Colts. Once every how many years? It's never coming back is my point. We're chasing a ghost. I understand why it's been legislated out. I get the numbers. I get all the detail. I understand this point as well. Kick returns are exciting. Bring them back. If that's the way to do it, then do it. So I'm all, all in favor the, of it, man. To me, that, that's what's genius about this rule yes. is kick returns were so exciting when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I remember being in my side yard, okay, Brian Mitchell Paulson. I would act like I was Brian Mitchell. Dead serious, not just because I work with the guy now. Someone would kick off end over end off of a tee or whatever. i catch it, and we're going to return and try to zigzag through and, and go return a kick. By way of changing the rules for safety, which they have done, mm-hmm. kudos to them. They needed to do that. The kick return is close to obsolete. It's one of the most boring plays we have. You don't need to, to watch the kick 95% of the time anymore. Right. It's just a touchback. The XFL has found a way to have their cake and eat it too. It's safe. You don't have the collisions. You won't have the injuries and the, the head trauma. And you're going to get returns almost every time. I don't know why the NFL wouldn't rip off of th- that rule and just say, we're going to do that starting next year. Let's go to Ken, who's in Stafford. What's up, Ken? Yeah, thanks for taking my call, guys. Come in. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. Y'all, y'all are awesome. Thank hey, you. one of the things that you haven't mentioned, though, on the kickoffs that, that I found intriguing was if you kick it into the end zone for a touchback, they get the ball on the 35-yard line. So, so you're actually penalizing – the, the kicking team for not keeping the ball in play and, right. and thus gener- generating that additional excitement. It's almost uh, like kicking the ball out of bounds, Ken. Thanks for the call, buddy. Um, not to the same extent, but it is for the exact reason you just said. It's a sharp call. They don't want touchbacks. They want the ball in play. And it is actually pretty cool. I was sitting around the 20-yard line, so I would see you know when they would pooch or kick it short. And it would, you know, land and thud. And now it's, you know, that oblong football, right? That pigskin's bouncing around. And you're trying to recover it. No one can move until the ball lands. But they're now hard charging. You're the only guy back there. Uh, it makes for excitement. You know, you don't really know what's going to happen. 
Luke's in Falls Church. Hey, Luke. What's up, Luke? Hey, Greg and Dave. How we doing? Hey, Bob. Hey, buddy. Um, so I think they, they should change something about the onside because, like um, Danny was saying, there's no chance for comebacks. If there's no timeouts and you're down, it's over. There was three out of 56 successfully uh, covered. I know before there was like a 10-yard running and everyone was on the side and they were going to run them and just like blow them up. But if I see the kicker go behind his leg and kick to the opposite side and it scoots five yards one more time, I'm going to go crazy. So, I <laughs> so, so would you do the – how do you like the fourth and 15 play in the XFL? That's what they call it, fourth and 15. But essentially it's one play. You need to get 15 yards. If you get 15, you get the ball wherever you're tackled. To start your next drive, uh, I'm I'm like I don't know half and half on it. I think they should just go back and allow more players on one side, but not just the full run at them and just so you, you still know, keep like the, kick, the yeah. onside kick. Yeah, I think the onside kick it was fun at one point in time. Mm-hmm. I think it is interesting. I I remember playing Madden and doing onside kicks pretty constantly, but. I'd rather watch the football play. Uh-huh. I'd rather watch the offense against the defense. And NFL standards, you got to make it a 16, a 17. Fine. H- happy, to, happy to work with you on that one because you're only using it in times of desperation. But that, again, to me, is more exciting than the, okay, he's going to kick it to the right. Only four people can be there. You know, as, as the guy said, like he's doing some weird sort of, uh, you know, foot over heel, shin kick, karaoke bounce thing. It doesn't go 10 yards. Not exciting. We got to run. I see Sam and Chantilly was going to say he would rather the XFL be televised on a network where they don't have to censor everything the players say when they're mic'd up cursing. The the mic'd up access is incredible. I love it. I know I'm a a, a nerd and a mark on this. This is my hard knocks gene. But to see the, the, the coach talking to the quarterback or to hear in the huddle the play call, to see the refs going through the review, live hearing exactly what they're saying and who's talking to them and what they're saying. Like all that access is porn for me. It's just great. They interview players like right after they get an interception, they'll go up and go interview them. I think that's awesome. It's, it's, it is a 10. I, I didn't, obviously I didn't get to see the broadcast, but I saw them interviewing a player right after a touchdown, you know, as he walks over and the sideline reporter grabs him like that kind of stuff. You, mm. You're not going to be able to do that in the NFL. They'll just say no kick rocks. The XFL will not say no. So take advantage of some of that stuff. Next on Grant and Danny, here on The Fan, Eric Bieniemy's coming to D.C. At least one of his former players says Washington's not getting as good a coordinator as we all think they are. That's next on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t